With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Pittsburgh Steelers fans, welcome back to another, actually the second installment of the Homer and Hater Show. I am Jeff Hartman, editor of Behind the Steel Curtain, or a.k.a the homer of the two joining me as always is lance williams aka the hater of the two lance what's going on what's happening homer uh happy belated birthday thank you thank you thank you thank you very much i appreciate that yeah make sure you uh put the uh the uh link for that uh avocado pudding that you had yeah, I know everyone. <laughs> hey, you said it. Everyone says it when I tell people like that. It's really good. Everyone thinks of Tom Brady because that's what Tom Brady eats in his specific, uh, you know, yes. his line of eating, which is an anti-inflammatory diet. The way Tom Brady eats is nothing new. Okay, it's he's nightshade free, all that stuff. But we don't need to get into that. Um, wait, wait. Let just, just, just explain really quickly. You threw yeah. a term out there that everybody is like. What did he just say? And Jeff tried to gloss over that he's really a Patriot fan. <laughs> you know, because he's eating uh, avocado pudding, you know, he really has TB12, like, in his other room. And he's not being really truthful. Well, but what is nightshade? Nightshade. Night, he said nightshade. Nightshade. Nightshade-free. Nightshades are a kind of like a, a type of food. So for instance, uh, you have legumes, which are your, your beans and nuts and things right, of that right. nature. Lentils are in the legume section. It, nightshades would be a specific type of plant. Most of them are peppers. So you couldn't have pepper. You couldn't have any spices that are derivative of peppers. So no bell peppers, no spicy peppers. Um, that also includes tomatoes, no tomatoes, things like that. And so when Tom Brady put out the TB12 book, I haven't read it. I've seen snippets of it and and things like that. And everyone's like, oh my gosh, he doesn't eat ketchup or tomatoes. That's because he avoids nightshades. Nightshades, a lot of research has shown, can cause inflammation in the body. Inflammation causes things like joint pain and stuff like that. So he's avoiding that so that he can play longer. This is a whole other subject for a whole other time. Yes, yes. I just wanted to further prove. See, I just, see, that was a tactic for me to further prove that you're really a Patriot fan because yes. you gave him all the research. It's really <laughs> JH12. That's what it really is. Yeah. Well, I mean, as a personal trainer, you got to know some of this stuff, but you know, as a yes. Steeler fan and I am a Steeler fan, not a Patriot fan, obviously uh, yeah. there was some huge news Saturday. Lance sent a text to all the behind the steel curtain podcasters. We have a group text and all this stuff 
it, he said today's the day and that was on friday the february the 21st he said today's the day the elbow day Bo ben sunday meaning the elbow ben roethlisberger Bo ben friday everyone was like okay we're gonna hear something and we heard nothing and then all of a sudden saturday rolls around i had a basketball tournament for my son driving home at a stoplight grabbed my phone checked twitter and then what did i see Ben Roethlisberger throwing not just anything, throwing a football, throwing a football. I'm going to hold my giddiness back for a second, and I want to throw it over to the hater. Lance, when you saw the video, what would you think? I started thinking of the famous music that was composed by John Williams of Star Wars fame, Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> Bo Ben is back. That the Empire is back. All my haterness came out of me. The nightshades reduced my inflammation. And Bo <laughs> Ben is back. The return of the bow is back. <laughs> the bionic elbow dropped bows on him like ludicrous. Oh, he's back. And, and the reason I got so excited was the throwing motion was smooth. Yes. There was no giddy up. There was there was no hiccup. There, there was no hitch in the bow or hitch in the swing, as Jeff and golfers would say. Oh, he has a hitch. There was no hitch. There was the beard and the bow, and they both looked great. There's a lot to dissect here. From the video that was released, everything from its origins, where it came from, to the size of the football, which is something Thaddeus Kennedy asked. He said, was that an NFL ball or something smaller? It looked like a regulation size ball. Also, the fact that I thought Ben looked pretty good. I thought he yes. looked pretty good. He didn't look like he had gained 50 pounds like we all thought he did. There you go. Rhino tool. Bionic Ben, baby. Yeah, that's right. Bring it back. Bring it back. I got really excited. Because, and I wrote an article that published today on BehindTheSteelCurtain.com, a letter from the editor, which is essentially an article I can write whatever I want. And I wrote about how just that one pass, he threw one football on the video. That was it. It wasn't a two-minute long video that showed him dropping back, planning, step. It was one throw, one football, and it got me so fired up because he realized, just like the headline of this episode, he is the Steelers' only hope of winning a championship. You agree? Pretty much. I mean, if he can't, well, if he can't ball, keeping with the B theme, if he can't ball, no, it's over. I mean, he is. He is. I mean, he has to play well for them to win. No, he does. And so this was. I was expecting, if anything, a report of Roethlisberger started throwing like some tennis ball work. To see him throwing a football already, I was like, this is a good, good sign. Now, right before we went on the air. A lot of people might not have heard this or read this yet, but Ron Cook of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette released the following tweets that included some quotes from Ben Roethlisberger himself regarding his rehabilitation and the schedule and what's coming up. Here's what it says. This is from Ron Cook again of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. Ben Roethlisberger on throwing a football Saturday for the first time since his elbow surgery, quote, it felt amazing to throw. It was hard to hold back the smile. Two more throwing sessions while I'm out here in California – and then I'm headed back to the Berg. It continues in a second tweet. Ben Roethlisberger on the doctor visit Friday. Quote, it was a good report. I got to bypass the tennis ball throwing for a month and go right to the football. 
It's still going to be about two and a half to three months until I get total clearance from the doc, but we are going, we are doing good. End quote. So let's, let's talk about this. Go ahead, Lance. I want to apologize for the quality of the video because I shot that video. And so I, <laughs> I shot that video. He's, he's staying in your pool I house. Sh I shot that video on my iPhone X, my <laughs> iPhone 10. And if I had the iPhone 11 pro, the video would have been better. I could have added some special effects, some slow motion stuff. So we could have really broken down his throwing motion, but it looked really good. I mean, I mean, I know we can't judge the quality of the throws. We didn't see much, but the motion looked good. I mean, he looked physically good. The motion looked good. If you were to look at that video, you wouldn't think that he was out for the past almost 12 months, uh, maybe 10 months, because of an elbow surgery. I mean, it looked good. And it also looked like that wasn't the first time he's thrown a football. I would say that the motion looked normal, that there was nothing different. Like when he threw the football, I was like, that's, that's how Ben throws a football. The follow-through was the same, his hand placement, his arm slot, all those things you talk about with any throwing motion, it all looked the same. That was what I was I was really looking for because when you have anyone that's coming off of an arm injury, shoulder, elbow, wrist, doesn't matter, sometimes the mechanics have to change. You change mechanics, and all of a sudden, things start to go haywire. And so we'll see. We'll see, but it looked good. Ezra says... Public service announcement to all the Ben haters, sit down. This man has been our quarterback for 15 years. Appreciate the run, and the run isn't over. That's the thing, man. This, maybe the gunslinger has a few more, two, two, I would say at the most, two more seasons left in the sun, maybe to deliver another Super Bowl to Pittsburgh. We'll see. We'll see. But I want to talk about this timeline that he gives here. In the second tweet from Ron Cook, he said, Still going to be about two and a half to three months. So obviously it's the end of February right now. So um, we're looking at, I, I think this is important for a lot of reasons. Number one, he's going to be good to go unless barring a setback, which can happen. And I put that in my article that I published today. Um, he's going to be good to go by training camp, barring a setback. Th that That's good. The April, uh, the NFL draft coming up, it, trust me, this had to be the best thing that the Steelers could have heard. Because with the NFL draft coming up in April, free agency about to start in a couple weeks, you're seeing your star quarterback throwing a football. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. So um, when you see that time frame, Lance, what are your thoughts? I'm excited. I mean, the only thing you can be is excited because, I mean, I've talked to ad nauseum in the last several shows that I've done about offense winning championships about how you need to score points to win championships above 27, how you need to have a point differential of about eight, starting at eight, moving up. And the only way you do those things is by having a franchise quarterback. I mean, the only thing that would make you more excited about seeing Ben throw would be if Ben were 28 years old and you could get another 10 years of Ben. But, I mean, there's no bad news in seeing your franchise quarterback a guy that you've won two Super Bowls with and gone to a third return after getting whacked on his right elbow and it being out for so long. So, I mean, that's good news. I mean, it can't be anything other than good news. I mean, it's much better than uh, seeing him throw uh, some pencils or some pins or a golf ball. I mean, I wouldn't be excited if I saw him throwing a wiffle ball. 
I mean, I'm excited because I saw him throwing a football and he looks yeah. smooth and it looked good. So it, it's only a positive thing. They need him back. I mean, if they get Let's him back. Next topic. Go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Didn't mean and he's that. healthy. I mean, they can. Uh, I mean, this is a team with that defense. If it plays anywhere near as well as it did last year, it's a team that can compete. Absolutely. Now, the next topic that we want to discuss, which is still related to Ben Roethlisberger in the video, you wanted to discuss, have the Steelers been playing coy about the state of his injury? Before you go oh, into yeah. explain. Oh, 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 oh. The easy answer is this, Lance. Where did the video come from? Like, what outlet? Do you know? Probably from, no, I'm not sure. I'm guessing it from, came, it was from me, but. Well, yeah, other than that. It, it came from the Steelers' official everything. It came from their official Twitter page, their official Instagram page. You name it, it came from the Steelers. This wasn't Big Ben Seven's account. This was the Pittsburgh Steelers ah. that put this out there. Don't think for a second they haven't heard all this stuff about Ben and especially uh, the asinine takes on NFL Network about how he quit on the team and how people were saying that he can't come back and all this stuff. The Steelers released that video. That stood out to me because I'm looking at this. and This isn't his account, which he doesn't even run, by the way. I want to make sure make make that a point. He doesn't even run his own Big Ben 7 accounts, whether that's Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, whatever. He hires someone to do that. It wasn't that account. It was the Steelers. They're making a statement. If it was something that would even be close to being critical of him, there's no chance they would have released it. So go ahead, Lance. What are your thoughts? Uh, you're not just a fit, pretty face, are we? <laughs> you're also a sleuth here. I see where you're getting. I see where you're getting. You're getting smarter in your older age. Ah, there you uh, go. <laughs> I see where you're getting. Yes, they have absolutely been coy. And I think the thing we sometimes forget being detached from the official organization, they're like lawyers. They don't say anything in the court of law that they don't know already. Nothing is a surprise. So when Kevin Colbert comes out and does his State of the Steelers, or when Art 2 does his State of the Steelers, or Tomlin makes any comment about himself being confident with Ben Roethlisberger, they absolutely know. They knew he was going to throw with the football. They knew it wasn't going to be a soft egg toss or a cornhole. I mean, they knew he was going to be throwing with the football. And so, yes, they have been rather coy because you can't be confident if your quarterback room is still Mason, Doug Hodges, and if you're not pretty certain that Ben is going to come back uh, relatively uh, well from the injury. So, yes, they have been playing coy. They they knew what was going on. Yeah. And don't think that they didn't understand. Trust me, there were plenty doctor visits prior to the 21st that they were privy to. The next time you'll hear anything from a Steelers brass will be on Tuesday at the NFL Scouting Combine. That is when Mr. Kevin Colbert will take the podium. You won't hear from Mike Tomlin, but Colbert will be up there answering questions. I'm sure he'll have plenty of questions about Ben, about him throwing the football, his progress, expectations. If I were in the crowd, I'd ask him, as of right now, if everything is status quo, how are you going to handle OTAs? How are you going to handle minicamp? What are your thoughts on that? And I would also ask, is was this injury, and he would never give a straight answer, but I want to know, is this injury something that he's been dealing with for years? Now, we know that, Players said after he went down for the season in week two last season that 
And I saw that comment, which is by N eight N nine eight six seven one X that injury the injury Ben had can linger for years. The icing and soreness day, the days off practice to limit stress on those tendons. I agree. I would want to ask that question. I would want to ask Colbert, how long has this been going on? You know, because everyone points to inconsistent play, the lack of the deep ball that he missed. Is there a correlation? Like, that's what I would want to know. Now, he would never answer that, honestly. And he'd probably say you'd have to ask the medical team, which, shockingly, no one has the medical team in front of a no, – no one's interviewing the medical team. So, Right. <laughs> hey, medical team, come here. Uh, what are your thoughts? The medical team's press conference will be tomorrow at noon. Now, um, yeah, I would want to ask those questions, but that's the next time you're going to hear from someone from the Steelers. Brass, but Lance, do you think this is an injury that has been lingering longer than just this past season? Probably. I mean, there's probably been some issues with the elbow for a while. I mean, you played baseball. I played baseball. I mean, if you throw that many times, I mean, I would estimate that Ben is throwing a football, you know, 500,000 times in his life, you know, 750,000 times in his life. I mean, through high school, through college, through pros, through practices, I mean, through camp training. I mean, yes. There had to have been some wear and tear, some degradation of that elbow ligament. I mean, at, at some point in time, I mean, your joints, tendons and stuff, they wear down. So, yes, I'm pretty sure that there's some issues with his elbow. And I would say the same thing probably with Drew Brees, Brady, any of these other guys. They all have arm issues. That doesn't mean that their elbow is going to snap or they're going to have an issue, an injury issue like Ben Roethlisberger. But when you have that many throws on your body, you've got to take care of your arm and you can't waste throws. So, yeah, I mean, I'm sure it's been lingering and he's been managing it. Absolutely. And if you notice, uh, Tom Brady last season, he had some elbow issues that put him on the injury report. He didn't miss any time, but there you go. It happens. It happens to all of them. And so that ended Terry Bradshaw's career was an elbow injury. So we'll see how Roethlisberger continues his progress. I do want to take a minute here to um, – just tell people that if you're just now tuning in for the first time, let's say you're live on YouTube, welcome to the live chat. People are obviously rolling in the live chat and they're talking about the Steelers. They'll ask questions and we're going to get to a QA and a at the end of the show today. Also, though, make sure you subscribe to the channel, like the videos, set up your notifications however you like so that you can get every single show. And also on our audio platform, especially on iTunes, if you can give us a five-star rating and give us a good comment, that really helps bump us up in the search you know, if people type in Steelers podcast, we want us to, we want ours to be the first, not just on the first screen, which we already are. We want ours to be the first. So like the video, we appreciate all the love and uh, make sure you share it. I mean, I know Lance has Steeler friends. I have Steeler friends. Share the show. Like, hey, check these guys out. Also, you know, you can hit us with a super chat and uh, I'll send you the behind the scenes footage of the throwing session. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, Jim, you. Yeah, every yeah. time you pop up nine eight six seven one, I think of the song eight six seven five three oh nine. Yeah, yeah. Who sings? Who sang that song? You know, I don't know, but I do know the song. Tommy Two Tone sang that. Song. Ah, eighties guy, I'm sure. Yes, yes. you know, bad eighties music. That's Brian Anthony Davis's wheelhouse right there. That's his wheelhouse. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was listening to NWA and bad uh, Euro 80s electric synth music. Oh, you know, yeah. All right. Well, if those are the people that this is something that stemmed all the way from when we did this show and called it the Q&A. Now we're at the Homer and Hater show. 
we always did a week in review. It's a Sunday show. We always kind of go back and we take a look at all the podcasts that have been done this week, the topics that were handled, and we give our take on it as well as shine the light on something you may have missed. Okay. And Kathy puts in $2 says LMAO. Thank you very much, Kathy, for the tip and the tip jar. We appreciate that. So we're going to start back. I'm not going to go over the Q&A, which is now Brian Anthony Davis's show with Tony Defio. They decided to put the hangover on hiatus until the season starts back up. And so they're going to be doing like a free-for-all type of show on Mondays. They talked about how nobody wins when it comes to Miles Garrett and Mason Rudolph. I feel like we've talked about that ad nauseum. No need to bring that up again. So let's fast forward to Tuesday. Tuesday, two shows with the Stack Geek guys. That's the Big Bro Sco and, and Dave Schofield here from Behind the Steel Curtain. The first one is, does the Steelers' 2020 success hang on the turning the ball over? Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price line. And that was the ultimate question. If they protect the football or if they don't protect the football because the streak is still alive, what is it, 23 games? Yeah, it's really long. <laughs> it's ridiculous. It's, 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 so, it's, still, it's like, so 23 games. Does the Steelers' success hang on that one statistic, Lance? What are your thoughts? I think it does. Um, I think it does. I think particularly on the offensive side of the ball, talking about the streak, they have to stop turning the football over. I mean, that has to stop. Presumably, if Ben Roethlisberger comes back, uh, that's why I say presumably, because we hope he won't turn the ball over. And I'm just going to say that he's coming back. He's going to be the week one starter. There's going to be no more setbacks. I'm convinced from the throwing video, he's going to be the week one starter. So if he protects the football, then that is a key to their success. That's assuming they don't take the ball over at the same rate of last year. Defensive turnovers are great to get, but you absolutely don't want to turn the ball over on offense. You don't want to give away possessions. You want every possession, if you can, to result in some type of score, or you want to flip the field and put your opponent in a bad situation in terms of down and distance. So, you know, one key is they have to stop turning the football over offensively because even with them leading the league in turnovers last year, I think they were still only a plus eight or, or something yeah. like that. You know, they were How they were still like they were still a plus eight. Yeah. They had, I believe, 38 turnovers. So, I mean, you can't I mean, you can't turn a ball over as as consistently as they did last year and expect to win football games. So that is an area of improvement that has to happen if they want to have success in 2020. So I do think it's critical that that happens. Is it just me or am I the only person that I know interceptions happen, but is it just, am I the only one that thinks that fumbles are way worse? I, I don't know. Maybe it's the act of you actually coughing up the ball, having possession of the ball and just giving it up. Or maybe it's because last season alone, we had two fumbles. And I say we as in the Steelers had two fumbles that killed games. James Conner in San Francisco, Juju Smith-Schuster against Baltimore in overtime at Heinz Field. Like just critical fumbles. Or you can even go a third 
And you can talk about the fumbled handoff, whatever that was in the Wildcat against the Bills, right after Steven Nelson's interception, James Conner handing off to Deontay Johnson, and they fumbled the ball away. I find for for some strange reason that I think fumbles are way worse. Maybe it's because... An interception is a forward pass, and that you know, you think about those deep balls that are picked off. You're like, that's kind of like a punt. Maybe there's that in my head. I don't know. I might just I, be I, I, fumbles are deflating, are are deflating emotionally because of what you said. They had the ball and they they put it on the ground or it got knocked loose. So fumbles, I think, psychologically are more deflating, but I think interceptions are more painful um, in the football game or or or, or, or bigger issue. Because a lot of times with interceptions is you can also return them and give up yardage as well. Yeah. So you'll throw the pick and then they'll get a 14, 15, 20 yard run back. And so that's two less first downs that they have to get to score. So I think interceptions are a little more damaging than fumbles, but fumbles piss you off because guys have the ball. And a lot of times it's bad technique. They don't shift the ball to the opposite arm away from the tackler. They're holding it out loose like like LaShawn McCoy, you know, where they're doing something technique-wise where they're putting the ball in harm's way, and you're just like, man, just be careful with the football, and they're being careless. So I think fumbles are more emotional for fans than interceptions. Yeah, I mean, this is something I got from my father. We would be watching games, and you would see – uh, maybe it's a defensive player or even a, an offensive player, like a running back or a receiver that catches that little dig route across the middle and they're running in space. And a lot of times they lose that spatial awareness and who's around them, where they are. My dad would always yell, protect the football, protect the football, because you're waiting for that guy from behind to punch the ball. We saw it happen to Deontay Johnson several times this year as a rookie. He didn't have the ball in tight. Like you said, technique, I'm sure he'll learn from that. But so that's what they discussed on the Steelers stat geek. And I agree with you. I think that if they can protect the football, I'm not suggesting that this defense is going to get that many takeaways again in 2020. But at the same time, if they don't turn it over as much and they get just a little tick down on the takeaways, the ratio will be better. And we, it's something we've right. talked about a lot on the right. show, that ratio. Right. Now in the second half of the stat geek show where big brosco and, and Dave talked about, they talked about the new wide receiver coach hire, which wasn't Jericho Cotri wasn't Brian McClendon that we talked about two weeks ago. It was none other than Ike Hilliard. And that's a name that I hadn't heard in years. And it was a situation where the news came out, Dave sends me a text saying, Hey, the news just broke. All right. I said, all right, let's get it done. So we both start working on the document. We're getting the article ready. And I'm like, Ike Hilliard, I've I've heard this name before you do some research on him. Well, this is a former first round draft pick for the giants played for several years. He coached, for the Redskins, then the Bills and the Dolphins, and back with the Redskins under Jay Gruden, and now he comes to Pittsburgh. So, Lance, I'm I'm not expecting this great breakdown of Ike Hilliard, but when you heard Ike Hilliard's name and he being the assigned person to take over that wide receiver coach position, what were your thoughts? Yeah, I remember Ike. He played for University of Florida, right? He was a Gator, correct? Yes, you're correct. Yeah, I remember Ike Hilliard from being really good with the Gators. And I think the first thing I thought was, well, he was a good player. He was a first-round draft pick. You know, maybe that will translate to the young wide receiver core in that, you know, here's a guy that played the position at a high level in the NFL. You know, maybe that will resonate with the young wide receiver group because I think they probably know his work, or at least he's of the age where you could type in YouTube, type Ike Hilliard, and see him making plays. Now, I was listening to that show. He has some connections to Tomlin, correct? 
Well, he played in Tampa Bay when Mike Tomlin was the defensive backs coach down there for Tony okay. Dungy. Okay. So that is, there is a connection, yes. Okay, so yeah, I mean, you know, like we said before, you know, you, it, it's hard to measure the impact of a wide receiver coach, but just having a former wide receiver coach the wide receivers just at a very high level seems like a positive to me. And I guess it's also a positive that him and Tomlin have a relationship. So I'm sure that they talk back to their days in Tampa Bay. And I'm sure he's monitored the wide receivers from Washington. And and so it's it's yet to see if it's a good hire, uh, but we'll see. I'm glad they've finally resolved that hiring and and they've got that position in the staff solidified because right now it's important as they go to the scouting combine as well as they draft players at the wide receiver coaches in the building, helping to evaluate the wide receiver position. But even if it had not, they had not hired that guy, you know, Mike Tomlin being a former wide receiver, um, I, I think they would have been able to fill that gap until they did it. But I think it was critical that they got the wide receiver coach as they're doing this evaluation, as they're getting ready for the draft. The moral of this story for all the fans out there, and if you read behind the steel curtain.com is that, Unless it's officially announced by the Pittsburgh Steelers, you will see one word before the rest of the headline on all of our articles, and that is report. Report. Just like when Brian McClendon, it was reported that he was going to be hired, and we did a whole show on that. You just can't you just can't trust everything that you see. What's that on the screen there, Lance? Nightwolf said, still can't believe Coach Drake is gone. Very sad stuff. Yeah. So we'll make sure we remember and send our condolences to Coach Drake's family. Very, very tough loss the Steelers suffered last year. Uh, yeah, it's it's absolutely it, – it, people forget that. It happened in training camp and, and how that impacts the team from a mental standpoint. It's a very young wide receiving core, I think. You know, when you look at Johnson and Washington, even Juju, people forget this. He's a young guy. Yeah, very young. He's a young, young, young man. So – um, I think Ike Hilliard being a younger guy himself, he's been there. He's done that. You know, I mean, he was a first-round draft pick. He understands the expectations. He understands what it's like to get out, to go out there and have to perform. And, and I think he did that at a pretty high level. So Ike Hilliard, the Pittsburgh Steelers' newest wide receiver coach. Jeff, before you get into the, the, the next uh, review of the next show, let, yep. let's. do you like this um, Big Marv? Let me post it up here. Big Marv 34 said, Steeler Nation, what's good, Lance and Jeff? Very much. Welcome back, Bionic Bo Ben, big weight of our brains. <laughs> that that so you know, we, we're we're the masters of, of giving guys names. Uh Mr. Gummy Richards, Mr. Third and Fifth, Randy Mr. Butt Naked and Rob, Randy Land. Is it Bionic Ben? I mean, I want I want I want you to come up with this because that's you're my guy. seven squared. That's your guy. You've got to come up with one. Guy. Bionic Ben, uh, I mean, I don't know. I mean, that, that's a good one because it's two Bs. Bionic Bow. Uh, Bionic Bow Ben is a good one. Three Bs. Um, I, I like Bionic got... Ben. I like Bionic Ben. Bionic Seven. Ah. Yeah, the, the, huh. the B thing sounds better, though. Bionic yeah. Ben. Bionic Ben. Huh. I like that. We're going to roll with that one, yeah. Jeff? Is that Let's roll Bionic it. Ben? Bionic yeah. Ben. Bionic Ben is in the building. <laughs> Very good. All right, let's um the Steelers preview. We went through all the Steelers uh upcoming free agents from exclusive rights, free agents, restricted free agents, and unrestricted free agents. We're not going to do that here. If you want to listen to that show, go back, check it out. 
And we gave our predictions as to like what's going to happen with Bud Dupree, what's going to happen with BJ Finney, you know, what's going to happen with Sean Davis, a, a player that no one is remembering when they're talking about restricted, unrestricted free agents for the Steelers. Um, you go back and check out that show. But in the after party, we talked about, and I wanted to get your thoughts on this, Lance, the best, worst, and then the the toughest free agents to leave in Steelers' all-time history. Now, all-time history, this only dates back to the 90s when free agency began. Who do you think was the best free agent addition in Steelers' history? We threw out a couple names, but I want to know what you what you say about. Jerome Bettis. He was a trade. That doesn't count. Okay, he was a trade. <laughs> so you Good nixed, start. Good start. Good start. You nixed my thunder. Uh, uh, James Ferrier? James Ferrier is he was on the list that everyone said. Yes. Yeah. So the three people that we listed as like the it's, it's here. James Ferrier is what Brian said. Dave said Kevin Green because he was a free agent pick. Yes, as well. Hall of Famer. Yes. I went and said Jeff Hardings, the center, who won a Super Bowl in Super Bowl 40 because he oh, was, a it was a free agent pickup. Then once I, I also said Ryan Clark. He was a free agent pickup. Yeah, that's a he good was, one. Yeah. Now, I'm going to go with – I'm going to go with Kevin Green. I mean, he has a gold jacket. I mean – Yes, he does. It can't get better gold than jacket. that. So. Now, what about the player that left? You understood why they left because the Steelers couldn't pay him, but you're like, man, it sucks to see them go. Is there any guy that comes to mind? I said Chad Brown. He was like the first player that I was like, this guy is great. He was a great linebacker on that 90s defense, and when he went to Seattle and free agency, you're like, man – that sucks. Is there any I player thinking, that played? I, I was thinking Chad Brown too, but Chad went to Seattle and then he sucked when he went to Seattle. He wasn't a good player after he left the Steelers. Uh, there's nobody really that jumps out to me because the Steelers typically pay their stars. Uh, um, here's, here's one I'm shocked you haven't said. Yes, yes. Rod, Rod Woodson. Yeah, I'll go with that. Rod Woodson. Rod Woodson. I'll go with Rod Woodson. Um yeah, definitely. Uh, they thought Rob chat. was um, Yeah. Well, nah, well, Rod Woodson went on an interview with Dan Patrick, your boy. And uh, you, you there? You got me? Yeah. Okay. Um, and Rod Woodson talked about how the, the Steelers did give him a a really crappy deal right before free agency began. He is this how you're going to treat me. I've been a superstar for this organization. I'm giving you everything I got. And so th- they lowballed him and he said, I'll see you later. So, yeah, well, I'm gonna go with Woodson. I'm gonna go with Woodson. Those are good picks. Cause they're both two gold jacket picks. Yeah. Gold jacket. One that, w- one that should be, have a gold jacket. Uh, Justin Conway brings up is Alan Fanica. Um, he was also gone. Plexico Burris is another one that's being brought up in the live chat right now by several people. Some are saying Emmanuel Sanders. You agree with that? No. Okay. Franco Harris. <laughs> Snowman said Franco Harris when he went to Seattle. That, But that wasn't free agency. That no. was just that the Steelers yeah. didn't sign him, right? And he yeah, got to go so. wherever he wanted. Yeah, I think that was the okay. case. But most, hey, there's a lot of Steelers fans, especially younger fans, that don't realize that Franco Harris did not end his career in Pittsburgh. Um, yeah, they shipped him. They shipped him to another country, <laughs> basically. But Seattle was in the AFC back then. Yes. So and many young fans they, they don't realize that they were in the AFC West back when Jim Zorn was playing for them. Okay, and Steve Largent. Yes. Yeah. 
All right, Felicia puts two dollars in the tip jar. Says, "What's up? What's what's up with the new rules? The buy seventeen games. Okay, we can get into this a little bit. We talked about this in our um, podcast this week. It's actually talking about the the CBA. Is it, it looked promising there for a little bit? Uh, the owners basically had met with the players for months now, and this has been reported. This isn't breaking news, and they kind of got a feel for what the players wanted." The players got to feel for what the owners wanted. And so then the owners took what they thought was a good deal and they put it together and they passed it. And so then once they pass it, it goes on to the players. The players looked at it and said, no, nah, I don't think so. And so I think a lot of owners were taken aback by that because they're like, wait a second. This wasn't one of those situations where you're like, I don't understand. You guys said that you wanted all this stuff and we're giving you almost all of this stuff that you wanted and yet you turn it down. And so now all of a sudden it goes to what what happens now? So they're going to try to negotiate again. If they don't get a deal done by March 18th, which is the start of the new league year, get ready for another lockout after this season. But it's also putting a, it's putting a, a big crunch with long-term contracts and people not being able to know what the verbiage is going to look like in terms of the CBA. But let's bypass all that stuff. There's not really any news there. She's asking about, 17 game schedule, which is still for some reason like the linchpin in the CBA with players and owners. Players want more money. Or I'm sorry, the owners want more money, which is one more game. The players want more of the cut, and the owners aren't really, really willing to give that up. With that said, I want to know what your thoughts are on the seven game playoff idea. Seven teams, seven teams, I'm sorry, 17 playoffs. So 14 teams total per seven per conference. What are your thoughts on that? Before before I, I want to give my thoughts, you know, we may have had a love connection between Felicia. Hey, Felicia <laughs> and Ali, uh, you know, there or Ezra, Ezra, Ali and Felicia it might be a love triangle. Uh, the show has morphed into <laughs> becoming a dating show. So uh, <laughs> as Felicia says, Ezra, you're so sweet. Y'all might have to take that offline. But uh to get to Jeff's point, I don't think there's much wrong with the game of football right now. PI is bad. Um, how they refuse. I mean, the, the issue with me right now is officiating. I think the officiating is pretty bad in the National Football League. I think if the officiating were cleaned up, I wouldn't have an issue. I, I think the crux of this is the players don't want to play any more games. I think from a health and wellness and an injury standpoint, yes, they could get more money, but I think they're kind of at a point that 16 is enough. 16 games, you know, we want more money. We don't want to have to play another game to get, like there's enough money to where the ratio of money can just be shifted anyway. We can acquiesce on some things, but man, we're playing 16 games as it is. Uh, we're getting broke up. We're getting hurt. There's CTE. There's health stuff. I think the, the players are really going to push back into adding more games because there's a lot more information from a health perspective out there about head injuries and head trauma. I think players just want more money and not play more games. And they want the conduct policy to be cleaned up. Um, but I, I don't, I don't, I don't necessarily nothing's wrong with the game for me right now, except for officiating. Yeah. No one is sitting there saying it's not like baseball where baseball, everyone's like, how are only 
a handful of teams making the playoffs. No one's saying that about and, and on the flip side, like the NBA and NHL, everyone says everybody makes the playoffs. playoffs. Yes, yeah. everyone. No one's complaining about the number of teams making the playoffs in the NFL. I haven't heard it. I mean, maybe. And I haven't even said that. And the Steelers have been have would have been the playoff team four out of the last 10 years if seven teams made the playoffs. And so I look at this and say, like you, I agree with what you said. There's nothing wrong with the system right now. If they want to add a seventh team, I'm not going to complain because it would just mean that another team gets a shot. And the Steelers have been on that cusp, on the fringe a lot. But ultimately, like you said, I agree with what you said. It doesn't need to change. Now, Sean Langford puts $2 in the tip chart. He says, does a new CB, does a new collective bargaining agreement or CBA, does that mean any having to do with the Ben restructure? Yes, it does. They can't restructure his deal unless there's a CBA in place beyond this upcoming season because and here's the thing and it's something that uh reed posted in the live chat he said you're, you're gonna have to pay him eventually his 2021 cap hit would be ridiculous you're basically just kicking the can down the road you're gonna have to pick up the can eventually you can't just keep kicking it so i don't think that the steelers if i'm the steelers i'm not interested in that at all there's a couple other players maybe we can restructure but i'm not touching ben's deal you just got to live with it you yeah, just Ryan have to live with it Ryan O'Toole brought up a great point about what's wrong with the game is officiating. And a lot of other people in the live chat have talked about officiating and the replay, the replay rule and all that stuff, how they do replay is really inconsistent and bad. But yeah, like you said, Jeff, like we both agree there, there, there isn't, no one's really complaining about the game at, at the current moment. I mean, the game yeah. is in a good place. I mean, they're making a boatload of money. And and gambling is about to be legalized in a lot of places. And so, you know, I, I think a lot of this is going to hinge on health and if the players can get their hands on that gambling money. That's going to be big, and that's going to be a whole other can of worms. I mean, I'm shocked it hasn't happened yet. We got the XFL that has lines on the screen and all this stuff, and they're, they're promoting different bookies. And it's going to be interesting because the NFL is going to want to claim a big portion of that pie. Grayson Brown puts $4.99 in the tip jar and says, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And regarding the playoffs, refs need an accountability system. The refs and replay have hurt the NFL every season. Let me say this. In my opinion, if they wouldn't have had PI, pass interference, be a challenge, a challengeable call in 2019, I wouldn't have been as down on the officiating in, in the system as I am. I feel like with the catch, after they learned from the Jesse James situation, that's a little bit better. We didn't have those situations. I don't remember. Lance, correct me if I'm wrong, in 2019 where everyone's like, oh, my gosh, that was a catch. How did they not call that a catch? Whereas everything that was debatable this year seemed to be, well, that's pass interference. And it's a judgment call. It's always been a judgment call. And this is the same reason why in baseball I don't think that you should ever have – it's a human element. That's why I yes. like sports. There's a human element. I don't want a strike zone that is just on the screen because the way I grew up playing the game is that strike zones change. You're taller than I am. You have a bigger yes. strike zone. So I don't like the challenging of the pass interference. I think that they should get rid of it. Just can it. We tried it for a year. It's just not yes. working out. I, I agree. I, I agree. I just don't like things that stop the flow of the game. Let's keep the game flowing. I mean, it's yeah. bad enough sometimes games are three and a half, three hours and 45 minutes. And me and Jeff are sitting there on a Sunday like, wow, can we get this game over? Like, like yeah. really? We're starting the show at one o'clock. 
or 115, <laughs> 130. Like, can we can we get this rolling, please? Now, I will say, I will say in the new CBA proposal, there was some really good stuff um, that is not being talked about in regards to they were going to allow more players to come off IR. They were going to have more players on a practice squad. They were going to expand the roster, I think, to 56 players instead of 53. They were really giving some leniency in regards to things that football people have been saying for years. Like, I mean, my gosh, how, how 53, that's all we're allowed. Like, why don't you allow 56 college? They can have 70. doesn't, you know, it doesn't matter. Right. Um, right. So they were making some, I, they, there were some really good things in that TBA. It just seems like that the players and the owners are hung up on a couple things. I, for one, hope that a deal gets done. I had to cover. No one wants to talk about a lockout. No one. No it's one. awful. No one. So I know one thing. That the players, gets I know one thing. The players were pushing back on was even though they're going to the proposal is to reduce preseason games, they still want inner squad games, mandatory inner squad games. And so what those do is, you know, the players essentially don't want to take free hits. And so, you know, mandatory inner squad games, those are just more free hits that you have to put on a player's body. Players essentially want to eliminate hits, get to the money and play because it's a sport where the more hits you take, it just takes time off of your career. And so if you play a 17th game and you're playing these mandatory inner squad games, you know, you may not even get to the fourth year where you can be vested and get your pension money because the hits add up. And that's, and I think that's something we forget as fans, that the hits add up. I mean, there's only so many hits that a professional football player can take before their, before their career is over. And the sad reality of it is most of these guys don't pay, play past three seasons. So they, they want to eliminate the hits and get the money. And I don't blame them. It's it's a fine line because as a coach you have to evaluate your team. I mean that's like Mike Tomlin has openly said I don't want to lose preseason games because I need right. to evaluate those bubble players. And if I get, if you get rid of a team or if you get rid of a game, I'm sorry, if you get rid of that fourth game, I'm missing an entire four quarters of tape to evaluate and try to. I coaches are to me are stuck in the middle. You know they're not part of the players' association. They respect their players because obviously it's their team. Yet they work for the owners, and they, they just they just need to get a team on the field. That's about it. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the Deal. deal. Listen to the deal. Listen to the deal on Spotify. Ryan O'Toole says, "Would it would be nice if they could do something about one player quarterback takes up sixteen percent of the salary cap." I've actually heard some really good ideas. I don't think it would ever go into happen, but for this, the quarterbacks to have their own salary cap. Yeah, I heard that too. It's really, really creative how teams could then manipulate money. So each you would have like say maybe a. $30 million salary cap per year for a quarterback. You can use as much or as little as you want, but it all ties in. And I think they were talking about, you could have some rollover into the rest of your cap. If you don't use that much, for instance, Patrick Mahomes is on the cheap right now. So they could take that, that extra 20 some million and roll it over to their other cap. 
it would be crazy if that would happen, but I think it'd be. It would yeah, be. yeah, that that be that be interesting. I, I'd have to. Uh, I'm gonna ask Ian Whetstone, and if you guys haven't checked out the interview uh, we did with Ian Whetstone back in the day, a couple maybe about a month ago, where we talked yeah. about the salary cap, that'd be an interesting idea. I mean, there are enough bright people in all of these buildings to make it work, um, and so that'd be pretty fun, I think. Yeah. All right, so let's get to the uh, couple more shows here. Yeah, I said it. Uh, you were supposed to do that. Got held up at work, so Dave Schofield stepped in, and it was all about the offensive line. And yeah, I said it. The st- the time is now for the Steelers to rebuild that offensive line. Lance, you were going to talk about that. Why don't you go ahead and mention some things? Yeah, I mean, I think it's at the point where the line has to get younger and more athletic. And I think me, you, Dave, probably bad Tony Defio. We're we're pretty much all in agreement that that second round pick should be for a guard and interior lineman. They have to get younger and more athletic at the position. And, and and they have to get back to where they're an elite pass protection unit, particularly when you've got a quarterback coming off of an arm injury coming back. You don't want him to get contacted. And I think what you see is teams that do well and get to the playoffs and get to the Super Bowl are teams that can pass protect. I mean, this is a passing league. This is a league where you've got to make explosive plays in the passing game, and you've got to do that in pass pro. In pass protection, now you really have to be good in the interior. I mean, just look at Chris Jones in the Super Bowl and how much he impacted that game because he was dominant. I mean, he really impacted the 49ers in that game. So you have to be stout in your interior. And being a good offensive line as well just gives you the flexibility to be whatever you need to be offensively to consistently score points if you need to be a power running football team for a game because a team isn't good defending the run you can do that if you want to spread teams out because they're bad in in defending the pass and you want to spread them out and really attack them you can have good pass protection you just want to be built really strong in your offensive line because that is the foundation of your offensive football team if you can't block it you can't do it and so they have to get back to being a dominant uh, set of offensive linemen and be dominant in that area. I think that the offensive line should be addressed in the draft early. I'm not sold on having to be the second, their first pick, and which is a second round pick. And I think that's because the more I think about it, the highest graded offensive lineman for the Steelers in 2019, according to Pro Football Focus, was. You asking me to guess? Uh, yeah, guess. Uh, Matt Feiler. You got it. What? When was he drafted? He was not drafted. He was not drafted. They have another guy in BJ Finney. Who? When was he drafted? He was drafted. He wasn't drafted. Like he me. wasn't drafted either. So, and he's going to get paid big money somewhere in this this off season, whether it's the Steelers or elsewhere. That, that's to be that's yet to be de- determined. But still, the Steelers, like wide receivers, in my opinion, have proven they can find talent in other places. So maybe if it's not the second round pick, maybe it's the third round pick. There's talent to be had. I like to see them bolster the line. I think that's going to be really, really important for them this offseason. And maybe they'll go out and get a veteran too. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. But I agree with you. The time to start putting some pieces back into that cupboard because they're getting long in the tooth. They're getting long, especially on the interior. So, all right. Now, yesterday, Brian Anthony Davis did the Steelers burning question. He said, are the Steelers still elite? But I want to bypass that question because, Lance, you were in the live chat. That during our after party Steelers preview show. And if you have never listened to the after party, 
um, essentially, or actually might've been the Steelers preview when they were talking about my birthday and people that shared my birthday with me. And it was everyone from Kurt Cobain. And the one person I always mentioned was Cindy Crawford. And we got ah, talking, ah, we got, ah, <laughs> ah, you know where I'm going with this. Ah, we yes, got to talking about who was the better nineties girl. Was it Kathy yes. Ireland or was it Cindy Crawford? And before we get into any stories, Lance, which would you choose Cindy or Kathy? Uh, I think I would pick Kathy. I think I'd really? pick Kathy Ireland. Uh, I would pick the green eyes over the mole. Ah, I was always a Cindy Crawford. Crawford. But actually, we share a birthday. It's, we hang out all the time on our birthdays. Yes, so, yes. <laughs> but you you said you had a story about yes. about this. Am I right? <laughs> yes, I do. Yes, yes, I <laughs> Please do. Tell. Um, Please tell. Please tell. Well, well. You know, at the time, so I, I went to so Cindy Crawford. If you guys don't know Cindy Crawford, famous supermodel, uh, she was really big in the eighties. Um, I'm, I'm a guess Cindy is a few years older than me. Was she about fifty three, fifty four? I can find out. Go ahead. Um, well, I went to a high school. Uh, you know, I went to high school in, in Southern California. The name of my high school was Saint Bernard's. I'm going to leave the name of. She's 54. So, okay. So, um, at the time, so at the time she used to send a limousine to our school to pick up a guy that she dated. So she used to date a high school guy that I knew and she used to send a limo to pick him up all the time from school. So at the time, I think she was definitely out of, she was older than being, because he was a junior. So at the time, Cindy Crawford was dating a junior in high school while she was a supermodel. Or <laughs> so. Well, no, but I'm wondering, I'm thinking about this from a legal standpoint. I mean, yes. Was she <laughs> over 18? Was she over 18? I'm going to guess that she, no, he might have been a senior, uh, but I'm going to guess that she was over 18. When she was, yes, so Cindy <laughs> was robbing the cradle, needless to say. Wow. Uh, she, she liked her boys young. We're getting into legalities there. I mean, that's <laughs> <laughs> yes. that's like yes. the stories you hear on the news that say, yes. uh, you know, and that teacher. Say, and let's just say uh, Cindy wasn't the only uh, person of that was very famous that was sending limousines and picking up high schoolers and dating them. And at the time in my school, let's just say that famous Los Angeles Laker players were sending limousines to school to pick up young ladies and sending and flying them out to Hawaii to training camp. Wow. A lot of Jeez. stuff was going on. What school is this? What school is this? Uh, St. Bernard's High School in uh, Playa del Rey. Okay. Yes, it was a uh, very interesting time. <laughs> it sounds like it, man. My <laughs> Needless gosh. to say, yes. And he used to, I mean, we didn't believe him. And, um, you know, he used to show show us pictures of, you know, him and Cindy Crawford at restaurants and all time. We did not believe him. He was he was dating Cindy Crawford. We were like, no, you're kidding. But he actually was. Thaddeus Kennedy, that's just wrong. I'm just gonna put it on the screen. If you're listening in audio, I'm not gonna say it. You have to no. watch us on YouTube. That's wrong, Thaddeus. That's just wrong. 
<laughs> Ezra says he's sending his son to that high school. <laughs> <laughs> Man, it's kind of crazy. You talk about the the uh, NBA players. You've heard about the Jeter story, right? The gift basket. No, I've not. Enlighten what? me. Really? No. He would pick. A, he would often. I'm guessing home stands would find a. This is before he was married. He has children now. Um, he would find a lady. And they would just go out and get her and say, Mr. Jeter would like to talk with you after the game and meet you. They would go back to his place. They'd have some fun. And then the next day, there would be a car waiting outside for the young lady. She'd get in the car, and there was a gift basket. It had autographed autographed merchandise. (laughs) Purell? (laughs) Was there Purell in there? there, But he was was basically giving them like a Yankees (laughs) gift basket. Thank you for your night's work. We'll see you later. Please don't come back ever. There was Purell, (laughs) which served as a moral sanitizer, (laughs) where she could clean off her morals uh, (laughs) in the morning. That's couple. Well, maybe that's why no one outed Jeter. And Jeter's track record of dating celebrities is legendary. Yeah. He was wow. also, he was never in the news for it. He was very secretive. He knew what he was doing. It was a system. Well, he was, was the a... captain. And I'm sure I heard that he also uh, retrieved cell phones. Really? Yeah. Like you had to put cell phones in a basket. <laughs> oh, <my> gosh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness gracious. All right. Well, hey, anything else before we call the show? No, that 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 that's, that's a, great. Yeah, that, that, I don't that, know that, if that. I have any more stories. I have, I'm sure I do. Um, I have. I, I've had a colorful past. I've just known some very interesting people and been in some interesting places. I'm not as bad as Mr. Two AM, but I would know, love I might... to have you and Brian do a show together, and you all can just tell stories. Like Brian has all these stories about him in the bathrooms peeing next to people. Like he peed next to James Harrison one time. <laughs> Like that's his claim to fame. Like I'm sure he goes to parties and says, you know, I pee, I peed next to James Harrison once. Like that's his big thing. So. Oh, oh man, <laughs> I, no, I I, <laughs> I can't top that. No, 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 no. I, I that that would be funny to hear the list of celebs. Even funnier is that he remembers it. Yeah. Oh yeah, he remembers everything. All right. Quick question from Ezra. He says, "Up, oh, that was the wrong one. I'm sorry." He says, quick question, do you guys want to do Hard Knocks? Because it's looking like the Steelers are odds-on favorites to, to host HBO's Hard Knocks as, in a training camp this year. What are your thoughts on that? I'm going to answer this two ways. As a fan, no. I never watch Hard Knocks. As a podcaster, absolutely. It's a lot of material for a lot of shows. Yes. Let's do Hard Knocks. You say... No, as a fan, I say yes. The Steelers, because I know this more than most, like they don't let us in. I try. I try every year. I try to get in. They don't let us in. Let me sit in the press box. Nope, not enough room. That's what they tell me. Not enough room. You're not a legitimate. You're not legitimate is what they tell us. And so, okay, I want as I want as much insider access as I can get. So send those. I don't think it's going to be a distraction either. They're used to reporters everywhere. Yeah, they're used yeah. to all this stuff. It's not going to be a distraction. I say bring on Hard Knocks. It'll be fun. It'll be entertaining. Mike Tomlin will be great on that show. And you know the Steelers are going to, you know, they're going to whack out anything that they don't want people to see. No, cut that, cut that, cut that, cut that. Okay, show this. Um, Which they have the right to do. In case you didn't know, fans that are listening, the Steelers will see every, every second of footage, and they can say, not showing that, not showing that. 
before it goes out to the general public, which makes you really question the Raiders. Because I watched some of those episodes last season. Yes. Why would they agree to allow this to be on the air? All this Antonio Brown stuff, man, not helping them. So that's your boy Chucky, though. You know, there you go. Yes, yes. So, all right. Well, good show, Lance. Why don't you send us off? As always, listeners, tune in, tell a friend, and subscribe. All right. We'll see you next week for another episode of the Homer and Hater Show.